0: To Catholic stuff, you should know, a J Ten initiative.
1: Hey, welcome to the podcast, Father John. Jake Machado. Good to uh, be with you here as finals are winding down.
0: Yeah, finals wrapping up. Do you? How many classes were you teaching?
1: Just two. Just two. Yeah, so I had three hours of oral exams this morning. Yep. Ten minutes back to back to back to back to back.
0: But no grading afterwards.
1: But no grading afterwards, which I I prefer. (laughs) And orals are fun. It's a different way of getting a view of the guys uh, and how they've assimilated the material. Some guys were sweating bullets. Most of them did very well. And then the deacons tomorrow, they're like, they've been doing this for four years with me, so they're just going to be like, psh, whatever. They're like,
0: I have a canonical right to ordination. That's true,
1: they do. But I walked in, and (laughs) I thought you were cracking champagne. Uh, So I was like, he must be done.
0: Nope, I've got one more. Uh, The Catholic homeschoolers gave us goodie bags on St. Nick's Day. Uh. Feast of St. Nick. So that was a uh, Martinelli's Cranberry Apple. Okay. Non-alcoholic. I
1: wouldn't have taken you for a Cranberry Apple guy, but...
0: You know what? It was what I had.
1: What's your airplane drink of choice?
0: <laughs> tea and water. Okay, because some <laughs> people
1: say cranberry juice, but then they got rid of that, and they do this Cran Apple thing, and it's no. just not the same.
0: I like to uh, ask for a black tea with cream. Um, I think it's more work for them, so they're always it's kind of frustrated. Awesome. That, like, Maybe it, British Airways would probably Could be fine you with just that? get coffee like everybody else, but...
1: Yeah, I think ginger ale is probably the universal airplane drink of choice. <laughs> if Can I say that? Can I posit that? Yeah.
0: Nervous and upset
1: stomach. It just seems like like I do, I would yeah. never order a ginger ale ever except on an airplane. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So Well, we are uh deep into advent here by the time this comes out, we will be uh uh just a few days before Christmas. Um and so we're in the season, you know, uh some of our companion brothers are more militant than others about um you know, you don't you don't wish Merry Christmas. You don't put up Christmas lights. You don't do anything until the seventeenth of December. Um, I grew up in a family; it was just like Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> it's just Happy Holidays, Happy Holiday, and it's uh, it's kind of crazy. But i I don't know where you stand with that. If you are,
0: I am. Um, I don't know which way is left or right on this scale, but I trend to the less militant side of yeah. that scale. We used to do our Christmas tree. Usually the the weekend after Thanksgiving or the one immediately following, we go up and cut it. from oh, the that's great! We do the live, live cut trees, and then, um, but my mom did. We put up it was the Christmas tree, but we started with Advent decorations. So it was just white lights, and like purple ribbon, and then with each feast day, we added an ornament for that feast day. So we had like a Our Lady of Guadalupe feast, or ornament that went on on the twelfth, and nice. other things. So as we go, we're kind of like entering into the the days of the. Of the Advent season, and then I think it was about a week before we put everything up.
1: Nice, so that's a good way to do a little, it.
0: A little split, little yeah. And,
1: I think that's you know kind of you a progressive know, Maybe we don't into have to be an a, extreme one or the other way. Right, I, I, I like
0: was. That. I, I walked into Sierra Trading Post the day after Thanksgiving. And they were already playing Christmas music, yeah. and I was like, "That's a, little, a bit that's much. a little much." Yeah. Um, but then, like a week later, I was listening to Christmas music with Father Brady and Jonathan Francois oh, and yeah. Father Mike at the companion. At house. the so, companion's house. Maya um, Copa, Father Brian Larkin.
1: He uh, he's the only he's the most stringent.
0: <laughs> Father Sean now too is getting a little stringent. I know. I know. I, know. I,
1: know. I get I get uh, uptight yeah. as I get old. But um, <laughs> we were hanging out at our place, and Louis Armstrong has a song. It's something about Yule Tide. I forget the name of the actual song, though. When it came on, and it took me back to one of my favorite movies of all time, which starts with that song, Serendipity. <laughs> have you ever seen this movie?
0: Uh, it's a Christmas movie. It is a, Chris- a it's Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. So uh, I
1: told the guys last night. I said, "Listen, <laughs> I'm going to be vulnerable with you, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to challenge you to acknowledge this fact. Every man has his chick flick. You got to own it. You have your one. If you like more than one, you're weird." If you don't if you don't have one you're lying to yourself. Everybody has one. Mine is the 2001 Kate Beckinsale John Cusack Serendipity. Amazing. It's
0: a good one. There were a couple guys in college that that was their one. Yeah. So I've seen it a couple times. Oh There's, yeah. But it was always a Christmas movie. They always watched it. Coming up towards the end of the fall semester.
1: So we watched it last night, and I was texting my brother and uh, Mike Hombo and Phil Bartline who yeah. are all of the same mind. Mike you know, used to babysit and watch it with our dog, Niblet. That was like their kind of Christmas thing.
0: How many dollar bills have you written your, your name and number on? Zero. All right, good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it was interesting. Uh, you know, the guys were like, uh, okay, you're making us watch this this ridiculous movie. And then I was going on this long diatribe about how like serendipity is the end of the age of romanticism. Okay, so like what is romanticism? Early nineteenth century philosophical, literary, artistic movement to kind of go back. It's it's anti rationalism. So let's go back, and it's a lot of kind of Greek mythology mixed in with kind of Christian themes. Yeah. And I think that you know Goethe, Holderlin, these are the predecessors to uh, the movie Serendipity, yeah. which kind of draws it to a close. After this, it's just the the kind of uh, devolution and dystopia of a postmodern world. But up to 2001, serendipity, romanticism. Yep. That's I'll, my theory. I'll
0: allow it. 2001, the end of romanticism. There's an
1: article in there probably, so right? Yeah. Probably <laughs> going to be debunked. But anyways, the guys were gracious. We had watched uh, the week before Christmas Vacation, and that did not take, I think, the really? 80s. They they already thought this movie's 20 years back is like ancient. You know what I mean? Jonathan Francois was probably two years old when this movie came out. Um, but then going back to the 80s to Christmas Vacation, they just could not get their heads around it. And I was like, you guys are a depraved yeah. and kind of That
0: 80s humor doesn't hit anymore. It's different. Like, I don't think it translates.
1: It re- It's really different, yeah. I, think
0: I was right at the fringe of the guys that kind of we were in some of it, kind of get the residual, and then we were kind of into the, terrible void that was the 2000s uh, comedy film <laughs> yeah. just i mean we i thought they were funny in high school or whatever but looking back there's like no substance to them no real humor no creativity it's just a bunch of guys like spitballing off of each other and calling it a movie
1: yeah that is true um,
0: but i think the 80s they had they knew what they were doing yeah i don't know gene martin martin short not Gene Martin, uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin, yeah. Gene Martin, way back. Yeah, yeah, a little further back. Huh? <laughs> Not so committed.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll have to take this up with all your uh, your Gen X friends, uh, like Father Greg Peterson and Father <laughs> Matt Book, who would probably violently protest what we're saying, but I, I get what you're what you're about. So anyways, to the topic. Uh, this podcast is going to be called The Marian Logic of Christian Rest, which is the name of a um, retreat that I kind of put on for the faculty and staff of... Uh, St. John Paul the Great High School, which um, I'm a board member and uh, doing some chaplaincy work with. And I kind of, it was a Monday, uh, and we did a day retreat up at Singer River Ranch. And these guys um, just did an amazing job launching this new high school. Super proud of them. But I was like, I think I need to talk about rest. Like, we got to talk about leisure and rest and give them space because it's the end of the semester and everybody's just kind of fried. And for those of us who have spent our whole life living on academic calendars like you and I have, um, you're about to be free of that. I'm not. <laughs> uh, you get to the end of the semester and you always say to yourself, man, I wish I would have paced myself you know, better. Um, but part of the reason for that is um, why are we not the, asking the question of why are we experiencing rest as not being restful?
0: Mm-hmm. We've been talking about this All semester, really. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this on the pilgrimage. Uh, We've had multiple conversations about it. And just the experience of restlessness, um, seeking rest and not being able to find it is fascinating. I was just talking uh, to Dr. Kovacs. I can say this because I'm the patient here, so I'm not breaking anything. Um, But I was talking about how I enjoy the semester schedule because I have a break point to kind of look forward to. Uh, End of an assignment, it's done, and I can kind of like recover from it but I worry about getting into the parish and having just an ongoing building of tasks and stress, and it just never stops, and I don't have uh, somewhere to, like, look at, I'm done, I can reset and start a new project. It's just, like, kind of always going, oh, a little worried about that. How do you deal with that? And I think that's why figuring out how to rest uh, is super important.
1: I think you you have to, everybody has to have periods of rest and the restart, as you said. But the problem is like Christmas is not going to be that time. So January has to be, I mean, it has Mm -hmm. to, it's just not going to be Advent. It's not going to be Lent, but there are windows. But if guys, if you're thinking like an academic structure, which is I got you know, a little break here at Christmas, a little break at Easter, it's like, no, that's, that's not going to happen anymore. But there are definitely, it just, I think if guys don't do that, they're destined for burnout.
0: Yeah. And I think where you might be going with this, I hope you're going with this is uh, entering into a habit of rest. Um, that is not just dependent on the weekend or the break or yeah. whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, so I got some thoughts here for you that I'm going to throw out um, based on uh, two things. I was teaching a, a course called Introduction to Theology, which is actually more like Introduction to Contemplative Intellectuality, so being a contemplative in by engaging the intellectual work. This is Garonsky's great legacy, and I wanted to uh, kind of contribute to that, and then also, of course, teaching Mariology, which I teach every fall. So I'm going to pull a couple things out of that. Uh, but to start with, uh, do you know this little red book here?
0: Of course, I do. The Intellectual Life
1: by Sertilange.
0: Uh, I think it was Father Chris Considine. Did he give it to you? First suggested to me. Yeah. He wasn't generous enough to buy it for me, so oh, I went on my But But uh, uh,
1: it's uh, this is definitely a book worth reading. Uh, the Intellectual Life. This was written in 1920 by a wonderful Dominican, Ag Sertilange, and uh, it's just a classic. And one of the reasons I took this course or started to pick this course up and wanted to teach it was because I felt like there was a a bit of a lacuna uh, that guys were not getting this book. Yeah. This book lays out for you the vocation of the intellectual.
0: Do you have that as kind of a, a principal text for the book? Absolutely. For the class? They read the whole thing. So important. they read the whole yeah.
1: thing, as, as seminarians do. They've you know? glanced at it, opened it up a couple times. Yeah, actually, um, the guys, yeah. this one resonated with them more than well, anything else I, I gave it them. you read it,
0: and it starts to actually give you practicals to implement. It is, it is. I wish I had found it before the end of First Theology.
1: Yeah, this is. it's amazing. So the last chapter in this book, I'll just read one kind of line from it. Um, I just, I love this. He's going after um, half work and half rest. Those are the enemies. Mm. Um, and I think that in seminary, we need to, as an academic culture, we need to change that. Like we need to make sure that guys are fully working and fully resting. And half work, half rest leads to this kind of restless achadia that we all fall victim to at times. So he says, I arrive at this result. This is 13 lunch. No real rest, no real work, disorder reigns. Avoid carefully, I say, in regard to the moments of plenitude, the half work, which is half rest, and which is no good for anything. Work energetically, then relax, even if it is only that relative relaxation which prepares, subserves, and concludes the work. Complete rest will, however, also be necessary. Complete, I mean through momentarily giving up every preoccupation of one's task. And he goes into St. Thomas Aquinas on this. And he says, you got to know yourself. you got to know your proportions. You have to understand this. But um, there has to be some sense of these things. Uh, Continuing the quote here, To each young man who aspires to the heights and wants to go far, I say, keep within the reality of human nature. Secure yourself some leisure. Do not exhaust yourself. Work in tranquility and in spiritual joy. Yeah. It's so funny. I read that, and I'm like, yes, I want that. <laughs> and maybe I even lie to myself and say I live that. And then I'm like, did I work with tranquility and spiritual joy? I just recorded a podcast with Sean Conn yesterday. We were talking about all these priests are, oh, we're so busy, we're so busy, we're so busy. You know, we're just, oh, we're so busy. And it's just like, let's just work really intentionally and energetically, get after it. I yeah. woke up yesterday with uh, Hank Buckingham. You know Hank, oh, right? Yeah hank was skiing um uh he was getting off the gondola at uh up in wyoming um at jackson hole and the guy it was just a crazy powder day and they're <laughs> on this like steep train have you heard me say this before no. and the guy looks at hank and he goes don't fear the nar, charge the nar." and i woke up <laughs> yesterday morning and i had kind of an unbelievable day ahead of me and i was like i had hank's voice in my head like don't fear the NAR. charge the charge gnar. the gnar. And I was like, I got to charge the gnar today. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, but working energetically, giving everything to the work, and then, and then stopping the work.
0: Yeah, with tranquility and joy.
1: With tranquility and joy, yeah. Um, so it's not phrenic. It's yeah. so
0: hard to, to kind of grasp, especially in the intellectual life. Um, this makes way more sense to me uh, with physical labor, physical tasks. Whenever I was doing landscaping, or um, renovations, working on houses, construction, whatever, it was so easy to work and you feel it worked and you work next project, next project, you're done. Uh, you want to rest, you're physically tired and just like, yeah, it makes sense. But that intellectual uh, work or the um, creative work sometimes has less defined edges and is harder to um, like charge into with yeah. full energy and vigor. Yeah. And figuring that out is that's my struggle as a, as a student. Cause sometimes I'm like all in study. I can focus, I'm writing, whatever it might be. And then other times it's just like a battle to even continue.
1: Yeah. And I, uh, my mom is one of the most energetic people I've ever seen. We joked that her spirit animal is a hummingbird. Cause she just like, <laughs> she's just everywhere, you know? And I, I inherited that energy. My nephew, Micah, the kid runs everywhere. He just like, he's going to get a, popsicle, he runs to the fridge, and then he's going outside, he runs outside, he's just like, so it's kind of in us, the Barger uh, blood, we're just very energetic, so our temptation is, we go at things, we charge the NAR, but we're not doing it with tranquility and spiritual joy, that's one temptation, the other side is to to get going a bit, you know, to kind of, some people are like, some of these guys, like diesel engines, it's like, just get the, it takes forever to get the thing going, once you get it running, it's okay, but man, it's just like, you know, so... Know yourself uh, and understand that, but work energetically with purpose, with intention, but also acknowledging your limits. I mean, that that line, like, I mean, that's this is our language, man. Take your rest. To each young man who aspires to the heights and wants to go far, I say, keep within the reality of human nature. Mm -hmm. Know your limitations. Um, Secure yourself some leisure. Do not exhaust yourself. Work with tranquility and spiritual joy. Be free. Yeah. Amazing.
0: I just gave, I was talking to one of the guys a couple days ago, I was giving the analogy of, um, finals is kind of like we're, we're running and if we haven't been trained, if we haven't been training up to run, we might be able to keep going, but eventually if you're running a full marathon and you haven't trained for it, you might sprint out the gate, run a mile or two at a decent clip, seven, eight minute pace, and then you haven't trained. So you're going to start to fall down and you're like, all right, now I can keep going at about a 10 minute pace for maybe another four miles. And then maybe I can do a half mile if I'm just like trudging through, but eventually you're going to hit a wall where you don't have the strength for it. Yeah. So remaining in the, in the hu- uh, I guess, in the humanity and knowing your weakness, um, but then also with each day of charging energetically, you're going to get stronger. Your endurance will improve. Uh, and so this energetic charging into the gnar as well as, okay. Now it's time to rest.
1: Um. Yeah, you can go into as we would say, it's cycling into the high zones: zone four, zone five, zone six, anaerobic, where you're starting to burn uh, glucose, and uh, which means that you're going to bonk. Yep. And that's finals week. It's just like <laughs> or or Christmas, you know, for like Father Sean, guys in the parish, like they're just they're charging the nar, but you got to bring it back. If you don't, if you don't stay at an aerobic pace, you're going to bonk, um, and yeah. uh, it's. So we have to learn how to kind of be able to move into things and really go full bore, but then also move out and, uh, and not just collapse. I mean, one of the things I'm always trying to tell seminarians is like, what does a restful break look like for you? Yeah. What does a restful Christmas look like for you? We all know the feeling when we come back out of it and we're like, oh man, I just like vegged in front of Netflix and I just feel like crap. And it's like, how do we actually rest well? And that's what, that's what makes the, the whole point of this is Christian rest is different. Because we don't look for ourselves to be the source of rest. Mm. We don't look for the things of the world to all ultimately be a source of rest. This is the words from, and this was the point of the retreat, was uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 31, come away to a lonely place and rest a while. So three different words in there, and I kind of, I did a conference on each of them. Come away. You actually have to leave where you're at. You have to leave the physical needs uh, the concerns, do you remember on uh, St. Anselm's Office of Readings from the beginning of Advent? Did you ever catch that? No, I don't. You better start praying in the office. You're no. getting close, bro. Real close. You got like six more weeks of yeah. freedom. But, I was
0: just praying for the grace and the desire and the zeal to energetically charge into the yeah, office. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's the, it's the, literary, or the uh the Office of Readings. So it's yeah. the last one. It's just like,
1: ugh. Yeah. It's, uh um. anyways, Anselm, <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll have the grace to pray it. <laughs> But he says in the beginning of the proslogion which we read at the beginning of Advent, um, "Insignificant man, set away your, set, a, uh, come away from your everyday business and rest a while in Christ." And that is like one of my favorite uh, office readings because it's just like insignificant man. Like you, you think about the thousands of emails that you uh, respond to and all these things that seem so urgent and they just press on you, and it's just like there's a sense of insignificance to things course they're significant in christ and when they're given in in love especially in love of god but the things themselves that preoccupy us oftentimes are not that important i remember my dad said to me one time i was super worked up about something and it was so stupid and he goes john if you're not going to be thinking about this in five years it's probably not worth worrying about (laughs) i love it (laughs) great advice you know from dad so come away you got to come away from things you got to turn things off um, turn the mind the yeah. monkey brain as we call it just like quit doing everything and it's hard when you got millions of Christmas gifts to give yeah. and you, you know all these I different think things
0: the rebuttal to this that I think people might be thinking is okay this all sounds great ideally but how do I get away um, I've got three kids I've got my job I've got these responsibilities I've got to be at the in-laws here I've got to go whatever um, how do I actually get away how do I transform my life um, to find these places to get away.
1: I would say the first thing is uh, we're all doing too much. We all need to do less. We need to do things better. So, uh, but we don't have to spend every holiday and divide it up between eight families and go to everything. You know, it's about knowing your limits. Yeah. What does my family need? What are our priorities? We make those priorities. We make it very clear. We will. I will not see my nephews on Christmas morning. That's a very frustrating decision that the Lynch family made for my sister or for my mom, but they come over in the afternoon because they want to take the morning slow.
0: Have their space. We respect that,
1: absolutely. Mm -hmm. So coming away just means uh, being a bit more discerning. And, and, and again, I'm saying this having completely— every time we get to finals week, I think, oh, I got way more free time, and then I overbook everything, and I'm like burned out. But coming away, we're coming away to Christ. You have to create space— for christ and that means silence that means solitude that means some stillness and rest it doesn't just mean spending more time with people but spending more time with god and that leads to the second point to a lonely place the eremo. Eremo is the uh is the greek word for wilderness or desert place the lonely place the Eremos is where the the fa- the desert fathers went uh, to live in solitude with christ and we have to come to that place in ourselves um, the word "pustinia," uh, the hermitage of the heart, so to speak. You, you you can't leave your family if you're a layperson, which is most of the people listening. To this, but there is a there's a place you can go in solitude, in the early time, in the morning or late in the evening, uh, and pray and be with the Lord, and that's where you rest. Anna one of Mike's Father Mike's favorite Greek words, where you just coming away and resting for a while. And I think that detaching ourselves from the false sense of urgency and alarm that we live in, which seems to govern everything in a technological society, then we start to experience what, what we hear the words of Jesus in, Mar- in uh, Matthew chapter 11. Come away, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. And there you will find rest for your souls. So rest is something that God gives Rest is not something that we do because we need to do less. So we have to we have to think about everything we're doing in light of how do I open myself up to receive rest from God? That's that's how Christians view it. Yeah. It's not just uh, you know simplify my life so I can enjoy that extra Negroni and watch it's not Serendipity. Way of
0: grabbing at rest. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a even really a time or a space. It's a gift.
1: Yeah, it's a gift and it's not an, another activity that we need to yeah. do. Oh, great. Thank you. Another great podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I have to go find more time for rest. rest. Yeah, I got a schedule. Time for, <laughs> and it's like, well, something's, yeah. something's wrong here, obviously. Well,
0: and I think um, in the book, The Ruthless Elimination Hurry, we've talked about it a little bit, but he talks about for the longest time, he just thought, man, if I just had another 10 hours or six hours or five hours in my day, how much, you know, I'd, I'd be able to actually rest or relax. How much better would I, would I be doing? And he said, I realized that was a total lie. Because if I had another five or six or 10 hours in my day, I would still fill it up the same way I have with the same um, apparent uh, pressure and necessity to use it. Yeah. Um, and not really fixing the core of this, which is really receptive to the gift of rest um, instead of manipulating and manufacturing our entire life.
1: Absolutely. And this is honoring the Sabbath is about receiving rest from God. It's not about into his rest. Entering (laughs) into his rest. Rest is something that God does, and that God makes sacred, and he does, and it and it designates a day to do that. That's that's really meaningful. So, this whole notion of like Christian rest um, is something I got to do, and now I got to do more on Saturdays because I'm not supposed to do anything on Sundays. It's just that we're operating out of this kind of moralistic framework of like it's something we got to do, and it's like no, just we got to learn again how to open our hearts so that we can receive the rest of God. All you who are labor and burdened with your Christmas shopping and all these different things, I will give you rest. I will give it to you. But there's a condition of the heart, and that's where we bring Mary into the conversation here. So Jesus says, Take my oak upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest. So if your heart becomes meek and humble, that's the key to receiving the rest of God. It's not about, I mean, a lot of us think we have to kind of do things perfectly in order to receive love from others and from God. That's obviously a dead end, but we all fall victim to it. The way that we open ourselves and receive the gift of God's rest, where our heart's rest, is through humility. And this is the, the last Greek word of the day here is tapenosis.
0: I don't know that one. Tapenosis. tapenosis.
1: You know Kenosis.
0: Uh, so in, okay, in no. Philippians chapter 2, Paul has this beautiful <laughs> Christological it's, it's the hymn. the canotic hymn. But I'm the blank. canotic hymn. It's like hymn. the outpouring. Yeah, the so though he
1: was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something. Rather, he emptied himself, self-emptying is kenosis. Uh, and then he humbles himself, becoming in the form of man. Humility, tapanosis, is the word that we see. So that's the key, is this kind of meek and humble of heart. A, a way of living the heart is what's going to free you to receive the rest of God and which is what's going to really restore you. That's what's going to make your rest restful and ultimately make your work uh, meaningful as well. That same word we can find in Luke chapter 1, when Mary is talking, is is self-interpreting her experience of becoming the mother of God. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Tapinosis. humility, same word. The lowliness. The lowliness. So God has looked with favor on Mary, not because she's like this kind of you know statue up there that uh, that we're supposed to kind of quasi worship or or whatever. Mary is beloved by God because the grace of her immaculate conception makes her humble of heart. And shout out to Steve Mm -hmm. Golder who asked for a podcast on immaculate conception, and then Rap and you or Rap (laughs) and Conroy just did one. Oh yeah immaculate uh
0: rap and kind of yeah. immaculate perception I think, yeah so titled.
1: very creative and very cool yeah. podcast so <laughs> steve they got you covered this is kind of an add-on to that this plays off the marian theme but god loves mary's heart because it's humble it's like christ and mary can rest in god and receive the gift of that because of the humility of her heart all right so to a last point here not even know how long we're going but we don't have to go that long today because we got to rest right we gotta we gotta quit create things.
0: that space into the desert
1: handmaid of the Lord Adrian von Speyer this book begin is my favorite book on Mary can't recommend it highly enough you'll be reading this next fall in Mariology with me all right right
0: it's only a year away
1: so we'll ask Father Chris considine to buy that for you <laughs> but she starts uh, the first word of this book and really the most important word is is the word ascent. a s s e n t and ascent I think is the key marian it's the it's the logic the marian logic. To how to receive the rest of God, which He desires to give us, to to allow our hearts to actually stop in the atrophy or hype hype atrophy. What's the word for over? Over. You know, there's a there's uh, a medical word there. Somebody's yeah, yelling it I out know, in their car right now. Somebody.
0: Yeah. Well versed, unlike us.
1: So um, hypo,
0: hoopo, and hypo. One is under, and one's over. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Hyper is over, I think. Right. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. okay. So. But the key to the question is is like how do I make my meek, my heart meek and humble? And people are listening to this and it's like, you know, again, if we're if we're moralizing everything, it's oh, here's another way that I suck, you know, that's great, appreciate that. And you guys aren't doing it, but it's like, okay, but Mary Mary did it, is doing it. Let's watch and figure out what what she does. And for Von Speyer, the key is that Mary's fiat, her words be it done, letting things be saying yes, a response to God's word, a receptive feminine answer is rooted in assent. Again, A-S-S-E-N-T. This is the first line from her her work. As a sheaf of grain is tied together in the middle and spreads out at either end, so Mary's life is bound together by her assent. From this assent, her life receives its meaning and form and unfolds towards past and future. This single all-encompassing act accompanies her at every moment of her existence, illuminating every turning point of her life, bestowing bestows upon every situation its own particular meaning, and in all situations gives Mary herself the grace of renewed understanding. Her ascent gives full meaning to every breath, every movement, every prayer of the Mother of God. So, ascent, surrender, is a kind of receptivity of reality. It's where I stop imposing things, because What's beneath this kind of activism? And it's this technological mentality that we all kind of carry through life of I make things meaningful by what I do, and I regulate what I do, and that, that's what makes it. And it, there's just this deep-down sense of restlessness. It just doesn't work. It's a dead end. And so Mary, is, as the kind of response to this, is to say, no, if you want to receive the rest of God, you have to let your heart be one of ascent. You have to say yes to things as they are. You can rest in the chaos of your extended family on, on Christmas Eve. You actually can. And Mary can do that. It's not about just creating the perfect circumstances so you can, quote-unquote, rest. You need space. right? Human beings need, need to know their limits. But you can also be present to God in the midst of chaos in this life. It's not just about managing everything. And this is the secret of Mary this is the logic that she brings to bear, and I think, it, it uh, as I call it, the Marian logic of Christian uh, Resch.
0: I've got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> First, ascent, um, to ascent to something, uh, to receive it. Um, there's a cool interplay between the word ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T, which is to climb. Right. And so there's an interesting um, broadening of the horizons, a, a, a climb that can happen when we ascent to what is given as it's given instead of trying to manipulate it and control it because in our finitude, there's only so much we can control. Even the most effective of us has a limit to what we can control, manipulate and, and schedule and fit into our life. But with God, you can be taken above that. Um, you can ascend, <laughs> uh, in assenting to what he's doing. Right? So I think there's a, a cool connection there. Um, and then I if also, you
1: if you Google "Ascent of the Ascent," spelled like that, yeah. it will pull up a small article I wrote years ago. It's pretty lousy, but <laughs> uh, Re- recircle back. It's got a really cool photo on the front <laughs> of it, and it's definitely worth seeing the photo. But yeah, it's there's a great connection there. Go ahead, and continue. Um,
0: but then also, one of the things that came to mind was uh, this restlessness is not new. This it's not just because we have iPhones. Um, the more I've been reading. Uh, thinkers throughout the last 100, 150 years, um, 200 years even, this idea of restlessness has been boiling up um, as we've just kind of sped up every century over century. Um, so I find it interesting. It's more, it's not even uh, pointing at the technology we have now versus 50 years ago, um, it's something internal to us that is creating that type of stuff that we then blame. But there's actually something inside of us that's in this restless... Uh, we, if we can just make our uh, life more efficient... But it's funny, because all we're really seemingly doing is making our restlessness more efficient, so we can be even more restless. <laughs> uh, oh, if that I, makes sense. I totally agree. <laughs> um, and I came across uh, an idea around St. Francis, that he was... Um, he rejected kind of the bourgeois um, commercial class of his time, the the merchants. And he gave away everything to go out into that lonely place, coming away into the lonely place to rest a while in the Lord. And that was his charism and his mission and, and the sign he was to the world. Back in, like, well, I can't remember when he was alive, 1200s, I think. Um, so the world was already speeding up in the 1200s, and he's being assigned to say, like, uh, there's something here we're losing um, when we forget to go out and rest in the Lord. Now, uh, this article went too far. It started to try and basically claim that, you know, the Franciscan charism should be, you know, the preeminent expression of Christianity and everybody, if they're really a Christian, should be living as Francis, which if everybody lived as Francis did, nobody would be able to live as Francis did. Um, so there's an interplay of charisms right, right. And, and mission. And so the the fact of... Single people and families and religious, we're all uh, in this dynamic family of God, and we support each other, um, but we also have to kind of aid each other in rest, I think, uh, in, in our own space.
1: I think that's a great insight, though, of like rest is not something— or sorry, restlessness is not something that happens to you. It's something that's within you. Now, there are things that agitate and irritate, obviously, mm-hmm. but we are restless. We're restless spirits uh, it because goes back we're, to f- we're fallen. Yeah, I mean, our hearts are restless until they rest in Christ. That's that's it. But I, I really think that we have such a materialistic understanding of the human person. Yeah, we just think that if I can just create the right kind of bodily comfort, mm-hmm. then I will no longer be restless. And I've been in beautiful places, you know, pr- pristine, perfect, Edenic places up in the mountains, and my heart has been restless. And, and desolate, and, and I'm like, I'm surrounded by total beauty. Everything is perfect right now, but I'm not. And we just have to see that there's something broken inside of us, but that we have, there's an answer here, and it's God in Christ giving us rest, Mary teaching us how to posture for that. So I love that.
0: Yeah. I've gone back to a, a John, really John 14 through 17 is just worth reading once a week. But um, the amount of times that Jesus tells us to ask— to ask the Father, uh, to ask and our joy will be filled, to ask and we will receive, to ask in Him, in the Spirit. Um, So I think, again, with just as me and Father Sean were talking about uh, asking for joy, asking for rest. Um, If you want it, ask for it because it's a gift. Um, But then that gift, uh, I think think it's the Greek word for gift. I can't remember what it was. Somebody was complaining to me about how uh, it could be translated as to give or to take. And they're like, oh, "How do you translate that? Makes no sense." Um, we'll send Father Mike back with mm-hmm. the, uh, the actual word, but there's something kind of profound about the reality of gifts: is they are given, but they then have to be received.
1: You was could, that was that uh, trottery? Was it to, to hand over or to betray, or was it actually? Because I don't know what they were talking about. Sorry, I um, can't. I can't remember. Okay,
0: um, but even not knowing the Greek in that moment, I was able to say like. There's a beautiful reality of that though, because you could give me a gift right now and I could walk out the door and leave it here Yeah, and it's not going to benefit me. It's not going to, I'm not going to use it. Uh, I have to receive the gift that's given, um, but also to ask for the gift and then to like trust and assent <laughs> when it's given, uh, which means actually entering into the rest.
1: And if I come to you and all, I'm, a- I'm just always asking for things. It's like, you're going to be like, We don't really have a relationship. This is very (laughs) transactional. So, you know, the great Seinfeld uh, insight of like, serenity now, you know, give me rest now. This is not exactly what we're looking for. Jesus is trying to say, come to me, you're labored, you're burdened, you're fallen, Um, I will give you rest. But the point of this is so that you can have my heart and take up my yoke, which is the cross, so that you can learn to endure suffering and love. And be and, and experience and live in the resurrection in light of that. I mean, that if that's the that's got to be the main trajectory by which we understand rest. Rest is not something we deserve because we worked so hard or because our life is so hard. It's got to be it's got to be Christian in a, in a full sense.
0: Uh, my final thought, and I'll let you close. Um, if entering into the Lord's rest is the eighth day, is the day of new creation, the day of the resurrection there's a beautiful reality of we are living in that and yet not. So we're in the present age, it's passing away, and we're in the age to come. So we're already living in that eighth day when we're living in Christ. So mm. it's, it is this day of rest. Um, so it's there. It's already there. But as St. Paul says, we are working it out here in this life and we're still toiling. And so there's, this, there's still this tension and this, uh, the pain and the suffering and the toil of life is a reality. But we have entered into the eighth day, uh, and that is the promise.
1: That's the promise, and and creation is ordered towards rest, to the rest of God, and that's where eternal rest grant unto her, O oh Lord. As we say, we said in this funeral on Monday, um, eternal rest. This is about the, 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 it's not just the afterlife as this kind of random play, kind of holding pattern, so we can all just kind of keep the memory of them while we're passing through history it's like this is the the destination this is the end and the purpose of human life is to rest and that's what the the sabbath ought to reflect well said so we'll see how this plays out in the next few days as we approach christmas i imagine all of us are going to be feeling restless and saying man i need to give that another look and uh, that's all right we're about it so good good all right shout outs
0: yeah um Made a list. I saw a couple friends in, uh, actually out for a, another friend's wedding, came in, totally didn't even know what was going on, and they uh, college friends came into town, so um, especially uh, Jason, Monica, they uh, came up to me and said they really liked the podcast me and Sean did on uh, Pilgrimage. Nice. So, um, friends I hadn't talked to since I had left Steubenville, and now they're off, and doing well got the family going so it's great to see them shout out to them
1: it's nice to give your friends shout outs instead of the anti-shout outs we have to give to people like john paul <laughs> who just stick it to the man the good
0: thing is he's never heard that he's that's never good heard the that's out, good so.
1: all right i got two shout outs here uh becca ritter uh who is uh, one of was one of my students uh when i was uh, uh, in rome and she was at the university of st thomas but studying in rome for a semester and she has since moved here, working at Matchbox High School, your alma mater. Alma mater, and she is a rock star. And her roommate, uh, Helen Blaine, told me to give her a shout out, and then uh, and she's going to be very embarrassed uh, by that. Hopefully, so <laughs> that's good. And then shout out to Janelle and David. This is a couple I met through podcast. They reached out, and we just had a great conversation. We were getting together about uh, they got some little kids, but they're starting to think about you know where are we going to move to parishes, schools, wh- wh- what's the place we want to be. And I love that kind of forward thinking around like. Let's get on the offensive here uh, as Catholics and be really intentional about that. So I really enjoyed uh, meeting them. Grateful they reached out. Just an awesome couple. And then shout out to uh, the staff at JPG who got this uh, retreat. Some of them were sick, but uh, Jeff Kummer and Aaron Hewley at the helm and uh, just a fantastic team uh, under them. So really proud of uh, them. Great semester of a new high school. And uh, check it out. John Paul the Great uh, Catholic High School in the south side of Denver. It's going to be great so it's there all, you go it's already great how do you get it's great it's already great? great how do you get great yeah so that's it I'm taking my books one more exam tomorrow we're calling it we folks and then we rest and right. then we backcountry ski and then we're back
0: <laughs> peace and blessings
1: catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com Jacob great to be with you uh, like we're coming orders. up two months away from uh, orders this guy is very very close and so we are excited to be bring him into the diaconate here shortly so keep him in your prayers And have a blessed Advent and a Merry Christmas.